0: Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and food and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to change that narrative and build a body you love inside and out. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a guest episode today, which is going to be super, super juicy. I have One of my beautiful clients and friends, Sophie, here with me. And we are going to be talking about lots of menstrual cycle and regaining of menstrual cycle. And we're going to take a deep dive. Sophie has been such a champ. She said to me just off air, she's an open book. So we're going to really deep dive. And I know, and Sophie knows as well, how important this is to talk about, and that it's still, to some extent, taboo talking about period cycles, female hormones, and all of those sorts of things. And I think for those who might be still caught in the process of trying to get it back, it can be really, really useful to have a Personal insight, or like that's the wrong word, a realistic or a, a realistic, deep personal insight rather than perhaps just reading something in a textbook of like these are the things that you should do, just hearing someone's um, personal experience with it and you know the challenges, the good things. And uh, yeah, Soph has agreed to jump on and chat with me today about that. So, Soph, there was a bit of an intro. How are you going today? How are you feeling about this podcast?
1: (laughs) I'm really excited to do this because I don't think there's enough of just normal chicks trying to get their cycles back. Um, It's either, you know, elite athletes and people that are competing and stuff like that, and I haven't done any of that. I was just your regular gym goer, and it's just there's not enough of it from that point of view.
0: It's such a good point too because... Yeah, look, I'll I'll start asking the questions before we go off on too much of a tangent now. And I think I might have lost you for a second. Yeah, They're good, are good, good. So so can you paint a picture? And like I had said to you, I wasn't really sure about this myself, but what was happening like before you lost your cycle? Was it always irregular?
1: What was going on before? Um, so from when I got it. The first time up until when I lost it, it was super regular. You know, I'd get it every month. I didn't have any um, super bad PMS issues. You know, I would get a little bit cranky here and there, but there was never any, um, you know, cramps or there was nothing irregular about it. Um, And then it took me a while to even realise that I'd lost it.
0: What does that mean? So for like months,
1: years? Probably months. Before I was really like, oh, something's something's not right here. So I went through a, um, a breakup, and with that, you know, when I get sad and things like that, I don't I don't eat. Like some people get sad and they eat everything inside, and some people don't. I my stress response is to not eat, and I used exercise to fill that void. I wasn't eating. I was working out seven days a week. Um, you know, I was, I was always moving. I was always trying to do something to distract myself from actually feeling what I probably should have felt. And then there was, I think around that period where I was doing all of that over-exercising, there was a feeling that I was losing control, this feeling that I was spiraling. So I jumped on the whole um, controlling what I ate. So I can literally everything that went through my mouth, I tracked. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to, I still didn't feel like I needed to eat. And then I sort of, I started seeing the scale go down and people started complimenting me on my weight loss. And then that was just, it just turned into um, a bit of a situation where I, my health declined massively, um, but I didn't want to admit that because I was getting all of those compliments from friends, colleagues, family, um, and that sort of just uh, fed the beast. And then.
0: So prior to that, so before I guess the breakup and a bit of the downward spiral, were you training at all? Were you paying attention to your food?
1: Like, what was? Uh, I was exercising. I wasn't training. I was with a coach, but the coach that I was with, we were just doing random circuits every session, and there was no rhyme or reason to what I was doing. I was just going in to move, basically. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't focusing on dieting or anything like that. I was still, you know, eating how I did back then. Yeah. I don't even remember what that's like. Um, but, yeah, there was no super interest in the, in the um, lifting, macro tracking, any of that kind of world. No, not beforehand.
0: Yeah. yeah. So then we had this quite challenging moment in your life. And it led to this hyper fixation, I guess, on trying to you know, track your food, control everything that was coming in, mm-hmm. seven days a week of training, combined with then the external world was saying to you, well done.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just something that fed into that whole mindset. And I, I'm a perfectionist and I am quite, um, I have quite a obsessive personality so once I latch onto something I latch onto it and I do not let go and I did not let go of this until I found you
0: Mm -hmm. so so in those few months when you first realized actually I think my period's gone it might not be coming back or whatever was there any part of you then that cared about it going
1: no, because at that point, I just thought that that's one less thing I have to worry about is my cycle. Mm. And um, I was like, I'm not trying to get pregnant. I didn't realize the health implications of not having it. I was just like, it's one, it's one thing out of the way. I don't have to worry about it. Mm. Put it under the rug for later. If I do want to have babies, then, mm. then that can be a problem. It was a real, it was my mid-20s when I lost it. So it was a real mid-20s mindset of I don't really have to worry about it. It's not my problem right now.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because like I remember for me my first comp prep when it went um, I think maybe halfway through it, I remember seeing that as a bit of a badge of honour that I was, you know, training hard enough or whatever.
1: And I think that might've been part of it for me back then as well, because the way that I, after I, after that breakup, I had, I had sort of stripped everything back. I stopped seeing that coach and was just sort of doing everything on my own. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of people that I was following on YouTube at that time and they were doing sort of the bodybuilding prep stuff. So mm-hmm. I almost feel like I did that without actually doing it. If you know what I mean? I trained like that and I treated myself like I was training like, for a comp but I never did one I never had a coach I just sort of was doing what all of these people on YouTube are doing because mm. that at that time YouTube was a lot bigger than it sort of is now so yeah I sort of fed into that YouTube fitness mm. influencer craze as well
0: mm. yeah I think I wonder if it was around the same time then because for me that was 2016-ish yeah
1: back then. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think too. I know bikini competing or competing in general goes in like ebbs and flows, and I think it's now that we're out of the lockdown, like I think it's getting popular again, especially like in this country with the WBFF. I think that gives it a lot of stamina. Um, but yeah, it's just really interesting to to think about the the loss of a menstrual cycle for some women. It could be a combination of like it's a bit of a badge of honor. Like I'm doing, you know, I'm doing good. Um, we also have this thought of if we don't understand the health implications I mean what like you would sort of see it as like well it's one less thing to worry about like I totally get that um
1: but at that time I didn't realize I wasn't educated enough to know that it was because I was over exercising and under eating mm -hmm. I just thought I didn't I didn't even want to think about why why it had gone missing yeah I just was like, oh, it's gone missing. I didn't even think, I didn't put two and two together for a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. I think, when did I do my PT cert in 2016? I think that's where I first came across, um, like the, it was back then called the female athlete triad or whatever like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm, I think that's the first time I sort of heard about it too. I don't know. I've just got this feeling in my head that I might've read about it previously. Um, But you can see how easy it is, especially if there's women who have been having like cramps or it's been interfering with sports or athletics or whatever, you kind of go, well, I'm kind of glad because I don't have to deal with this thing anymore without realizing that it's really like a female health report card to an extent. Um, And it's, yeah, it is. It's just such an interesting conversation. So from there, so if I do want to skip forward a little bit when did you start to get the inkling that "Eh, something's not quite right here my I've now learnt that my health this is a sign of you know my health needs to be improved or whatever when did you start getting the inkling that maybe it's something you need to look at
1: um I reckon it would have been just before the pandemic had really started And I had, it was that time that I would realised that the whole lifestyle had taken over my life as well. So um, my my behaviours around exercise and food um, had become incredibly distorted. And it had been a few comments from family members and things like that, that had sort of nudged me in the, I'm not healthy. Like it it was that external feedback from people that I genuinely cared about and loved and hold in a certain regard in my life. Um, them them saying something was a big um, eye opener for me. And there was there was a day I had gone to give blood, and you have to be a certain weight to be able to donate, and I was well. Uh, under that weight um, and that's when I was like oh, I'm obviously not very healthy I went to see my GP and it sort of went from there um, as to, she sort of explained to me it's not healthy that you're not menstruating um, but I, I in that moment when she was going through all of that with me knew that in order to get my cycle back it meant that I would have to do the scary things like gain weight. And I wasn't ready to do that at that point. So yes, I knew that I needed to get it back. I knew what I needed to do to get it back, but I was not nearly even closely ready to um, do all the things to actually get it back. So the first part of the journey was accepting, yep, I should have my cycle. I don't have my cycle, but I'm not ready to do the scary things quite yet unfortunately for me as well that GP she recognized that I needed a cycle but she was one of the ones that obviously wasn't educated enough and just put me on the pill and then I was like oh I'm getting a bleed excellent problem solved I don't have to gain weight I don't have to do the scary things um and it got swept under the rug for another I would say another six to 12 months until i was like until i had been educated through um listening to certain podcasts and reading a little bit more literature around it realizing that that wasn't even me having a cycle
0: Mm -hmm. i was
1: just masking the problem but at that time that's exactly what i felt like i needed because i wasn't ready
0: Hello, my lovelies. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I am coming at you to speak to you about my one-on-one online coaching program called the Glam Body Program. It is for women who wanna get jacked, who wanna be stronger, maybe even leaner, and what you're doing right now isn't producing the results at the pace you want. So just for a moment, I want you to imagine this scenario. So humor me, right? You're at the gym. You catch sight of yourself in the mirror. And what do you see? You see a jacked, strong, and lean, bad bitch. And you laugh because, of course, you like what you see. You train like a boss. You eat like you're fueling a Maserati. You're chill and you have total clarity in the path of progression you're on. Life feels good. This is what's possible inside the Glam Body Program. But too often, women aren't here. And they're getting thrown off course because they're comparing their bodies and protocols to online fitfluencers and losing themselves in the fads and what everyone else is doing. They're thinking the answer to plateaued results must be a more aggressive approach. So you cut your food, you increase your training volume, which diminishes the quality of an already shit approach. <laughs> you fail to take your recovery and female physiology needs seriously because you're scared that that rest will send you backwards without realizing that it's this very thought process that is stopping you from achieving the goals you want to achieve. So if this sounds like you, this is where the Glam Body program is coming in clutch. What we will do first is bring your focus back to you, your results, what's indeed possible for you, and we will create a custom plan to get you there. From there, there is individualized training programming, nutrition protocols, and recovery, as well as high-touch support from me. We'll swap out all of the unnecessary junk that is wasting your time and replace it with refined, high-quality action steps specifically designed to meet your goals. We'll also work with your own individual physiology because every woman is different through data tracking to ensure you're living and functioning with the energy, strength and spark to boss your training, work and life. What is the outcome of this? What are the results that the ladies get inside the Glam Body Program? They get jacked. They build muscle. They get strong. They become proud of the physique they have. They become proud of all of their training progressions, the way they view themselves, the way they view training, they the way they view food and life in general changes. And they see themselves as a the fucking bad bitch boss that they are. Not only that, they also do this in a fashion that they can sustainably maintain long term. This is all about creating a sustainable lifestyle so that you're not yo-yoing around in and out of being on track and off track. You will never repeat those phrases again. So if you love training, you've outgrown classes and apps, maybe you even had a PT before, but they didn't provide you with a program or the custom high touch support that you were looking for and you're looking to break past a progress plateau through an individualized approach or maybe you have dabbled in programming training before, but you're still stuck in a rigid mindset and falling into the trap of overtraining, restricting your food and feeling like no matter how hard you you work, you're still um, satisfied with your body, then the Glam Body Program is for you. So if you're ready to build a sustainable physique that you're proud of, it's time to join the gang, time to join the Glam Body Program I've left my Instagram handle in the description box below so you can click that, click on the Glam Body Program applications, fill out the form, and I will be in touch for a coaching spot if it sounds like you will be a great fit. Now, we can get back into the episode. So so at the start of the, like, with the breakup and whatnot, you started to get compliments, right? Was there a point when that stopped before you saw this GP or, you know, how you said some people- It was still
1: happening. Like when I was at my Mm. super leanest state, um, I was still getting a lot of compliments of like colleagues and friends and family that weren't close enough to me to know that something was wrong. My immediate family, that's a different story. They knew that, that something else was happening there. But yeah. colleagues and 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 people that were seeing the highlight reel on my Instagram or whatnot um they they were the ones that were feeding into it.
0: It's an interesting topic to talk about too, isn't it the the complementing of weight loss and it's definitely something that I experienced heavily during my first comp prep. so, yeah. I was just coming onto Instagram, you know, I was just starting as a coach, as a personal trainer. And I I just was so naive with so many things. And like, you get all of these compliments and I just related them, you know, again, because I had done that competition because I thought it would make me more valuable, more worldly, more attractive Mm -hmm. to everyone. And the outside world reflects that. It really reflects that back to you. Um, And, you know, I had a huge blow up in terms of like my psyche and everything after that show um, and the compliments. It was almost like an off switch. As soon as the show was done, as soon as I gained a little bit of weight, literally everything stopped, all the attention stopped. And for someone who was really struggling with self-worth and value and all of those sorts of things, that was a a huge moment in my psyche. But it's really interesting, isn't it, how... um, no matter how much we want to, and I speak about opting out of you know, society's need to continually have a certain physique. I talk about it all the time. Like, let's just decide to opt out of that. Um, it doesn't stop the fact that externally you're going to continue to receive that feedback. And I think that you know there are some big names in the fitness industry, like Sohi Lee is coming to mind. She does an amazing job about sharing awareness on let's not... Um, compliment weight because we never know what's happening and so many people could be unwell um, and you know there's stresses and there's all these other things that come with weight loss so let's just not compliment on it Um, and you know I'm I obviously coach women to get physique results and I'm still I still uh, definitely think that there is a place to comment on people getting jacked maybe in five years I'm gonna change my mind and say that's not appropriate. And then I'm open to doing that. At the moment, I love this album that you jacked
1: and I and love you can, it. You can read that in a person when they're they're genuinely seeking that kind of um feedback about something that's about growth and not making yourself smaller in a in the world. I think there's a big difference between that as well. It's really person to person sort of um a basis there. And I I try and gauge it before I do compliment on someone's body, especially going through what I've gone through now as well. Mm. Um, I, like I'm one of those girls that like to be told that I look jacked, um, <laughs> but that's after doing a lot of mindset work. Mm, you know, yeah. it took me a long time to get to a point where I can accept a compliment about my body and know that it's not attached to how worthy I am as a person. Dude,
0: that, I think that's the key point there. And it's also understanding that I would almost say most people, at least in the kind of space that this sort of fitness space maybe aren't there yet. So it is like so said, I love that you you thought, like reflecting about what are they inviting? And if there's been no question, don't say anything. It's much better to just not say anything. Um, and, you know, there are awesome, awesome compliments you can give someone who's training like, fuck, that was a good lift.
1: Yeah, I love a tech compliment.
0: Yeah, man. Take mm. compliments, and even strength compliments. I think yeah. are really, really good too. Um, so there's definitely ways to go about it. Um, so, oh, I had some questions written down. So the fear of the gaining weight. So you've gone to the GP. She said these things. You kind of got a little bit of a um, reprieve in thinking that the pill would help um and then you're like well I don't have to gain the weight now so in your mind so if you you heard what the GP said about the pill and you really believe that that was a true thing didn't you yeah okay cool so many women do so many women are told that you know the bleed on your pill is a is a real um, menstrual cycle bleed without realizing that no things aren't happening
1: (laughs) absolutely and I just want to point out that I'm not a lay person when it comes to talking about medical things, I'm a nurse. And mm. even I didn't understand the, um, the, what was going on, you know, because it's that confirmation bias of here's a Band-Aid, you don't have to worry about it. I was getting the answers in my head that I wanted, mm. not, what, not the answers that I needed. So there was a there was a real issue of confirmation bias at that point in time. I think.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's it's pretty alarming that it's still happening, where um, women are still being given the pill to say that this will balance your hormones, this will get your menstrual cycle back, and
1: and this was a GP that claimed that she was a women's health specialist, mm. but was doing was um, prescribing things for. So she was like, she put me on the pill to help get my cycle back, but to protect my bones, and the pill does neither of those things. Yeah, yeah. So she just wasted my time, and um, you know, fed into my disorder issues. Mm. You go to someone for help, and they do the opposite. It's Mm. it's a tough thing to swallow.
0: Really interesting too, because I believe with the pill, with the um like the hormonal contraceptive pills in the history of making them, that the reason why they um the reason why there is a bleed that comes with them is the feedback during production was that women felt a bit weird not having a bleed. Mm -hmm. Like that's the only reason, rather than anything health-wise. It's nuts when you hear that kind of shit. All right, so we're in this place of the P. She's gone. Here's the pill. You're like, you know what? This means I don't have to worry about the, um, you know, gaining weight. So, so what was it, if you don't mind me asking, about the gaining weight that you didn't want to entertain?
1: Because I had attached my weight to my worth, and that was it in my head. That my world at that point in time was so black and white and simple that I had to be a certain number on the scale and if i wasn't that then i you know i was less of a person Mm. and you know what i got to that number in my head that i thought that i needed to get to um and i still wasn't happy it hadn't fixed all of my problems and i felt awful i felt like the worst i've ever felt my entire life
0: Mm. yeah Dude, it's so interesting how we, we have that exact, we share that exact story.
1: <laughs> I, I remember being at a, a family birthday party. It was like a 50th or something like that. And I faked that I felt sick. It wasn't that I was sick. It was that I was so bone cold that I wanted to go home. I, like, I was so, like, to, to my core, freezing cold. Everybody else was fine. Um, and I was so anxious about, you know, the food that was there and I fell out of control and I really took myself out of social situations. So I didn't have to feel like that, but I left because I was so cold. I was so bone cold and I felt awful. I felt exhausted. It was only like seven o'clock at night. I felt exhausted. I had no energy. I didn't want to be around people. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So being, being that lean, never again.
0: Mm. so what did life look like so you know you you were working you were training you were being very controlling with your food can you describe like what that looked like for people
1: i don't think people the, the people that aren't weren't in my immediate family they wouldn't have seen me any different yeah um they would have just seen a chick that was eating healthy and exercising Mm. to my immediate family they could see the incredible impact that it had on my life that it took me away from me Mm. my my mum recently um commented on the fact that I'm smiling but I'm genuinely smiling again um, mm-hmm. and she, it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago and she had commented on that and she goes, it's really nice to see you laugh and smile and engage and it's like we've got soap back mm-hmm. because back back then I was, you know, on autopilot. I wasn't, the lights were on but no one was home mm-hmm. um, and I'm an incredibly guarded person so if you're not in my like real inner circle, you wouldn't have noticed that anything was really happening.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah what how did you cope at work energy wise brain function
1: wise i was moody Mm. if you went to any of my colleagues at the the hospital that i was working at at that point in time um they would all tell you that i was um short-tempered um uh you know i was exhausted by the end of my shifts and my shifts were only eight hours back then like that's not that long in this grand scheme of things I was exhausted like having to do anything was exhausting mm-hmm. having to think like my kind of I'm a theater nurse so like my job is incredibly mentally taxing mm-hmm. at the end of the day I was just absolutely mm-hmm. done but I'd gotten up at four o'clock in the morning so I could go and do a two-hour lifting session Oh, and, then, I was just gonna... and then do that and then I would get home I was exhausted but I still had steps to do so I would get home at like six o'clock and go and do all my steps
0: I was just gonna ask so what did what did your training look like
1: I was training five to six days a week hmm. um what and, time? pardon what time four o'clock if it was a work day a.m. Um, 4 a.m. But I thought, man, that's a badge of honor. I'm one of those like it girls that's getting up at four or five o'clock in the morning to work out before work. Mind you, I still can't train in the evening, even now, i <laughs> um, not a PM trainer, but um, yeah, I would get up, do my session, come, I was fasted, 4 a.m., completely fasted. Um, and then I'd come home. I wouldn't have my first meal until my first break at work. And God only knows when that is as a nurse. You have no idea when your first break is going to be. Normally mid-morning. So I would have done a two-hour lifting session, come home, got ready for work, got to work, worked the first chunk of my shift and then had my first meal. Mm. Um, But I wasn't intermittent fasting. I was just like pushing it back. I tried intermittent fasting for a little bit, but all I could do for the start of my morning was look at the clock and that wasn't fun either because I tried all the diets under the sun as well. Um, and then I would do my eight-hour shift. I would come home, and then I would go and do like a hour-long walk, and then have dinner, and then go to bed, and then repeat.
0: In your mind, with the hour-long walk, what were you thinking? I need to get this in because
1: I would gain weight if I didn't do all of these steps. Yeah, it was it was literally me trying to um, manipulate the scale, even though. I wasn't educated enough about natural fluctuations in weight and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't, once I'd lost my mental cycle, I wasn't getting those big fluctuations because I wasn't having the hormonal cycle. So I wasn't getting that. I was just getting the same thing pretty much every day, but it was sort of like tracking down because I was in a deficit and training i wasn't even really training i was doing i wasn't even doing like a structured training thing i was just going and going at yeah, these lifts we will do
0: i was gonna say what it like you're in the gym was it like sticks exercises was it more how many steps- i do
1: like a a compound at the start and then just a bunch of random accessory stuff at the end and maybe like a weird little circuit like i was just doing these like throwing together um exercises it took me I reckon a good 12 months to get educated enough that I needed to do a structured training program. And even then I just wrote my own. I had no rhyme or reason as to what I was doing. It's just the exercises I like to do. Mm. And then I started doing those cookie cutter training programs you can get online. Um, And then I still wasn't getting the results I wanted to because my tech was awful. And then I found you,
0: Mm. yeah. What's when you look at training back then versus now? Is it chalk and cheese, like completely different?
1: Yeah, massively. Like at the moment, I'm not training the way that I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for the for the year and a half, I think we've been training together, in the four days that I'm that I'm doing, and the way that you set out the um, the training blocks. I feel good with my training. I feel like I'm going I feel like I'm actually going somewhere. I feel like I'm actually training and not just going to the gym for the sake
0: of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. All right. So so this brings us to this year, the last six, yeah, six months or so, I guess. There was there was definitely a shift where I feel like you just took this way more seriously for a moment because I feel like there was a time where yes, it was on top of the list, but perhaps it wasn't as serious and then there was a light bulb moment where you were like, like, this has got to stop. Yeah. And got to make this number. Can you talk us through that? What happened?
1: So even then it was, it was gradual when I first decided I needed to get out of that quasi sort of recovery going, I'm doing all the things, like I'm putting on a bit of weight and I'm doing a little bit, a little bit less, but I wasn't doing, it. I wasn't doing it to the extent that I personally needed to be doing it. Everyone's going to be different. Everyone's um, period recovery story is going to be different. Um, but it was just before Christmas. And I was like, I want my life back. I want, cause I was tracking up until November last year. I was tracking everything. Cause the conversation I had with you about the spinach was in November. How was it? <laughs> yeah, it was that recent. Um, I had a conversation with Amy um, and I wrote, I was like, how, how do you feel about me tracking lettuce? Like, is that lettuce or spinach or something? She's like, do I need to be doing that? And she goes like, dude, no, absolutely not. So I, it, it was such a weird moment of freedom that when I just threw the spinach in the pan and didn't weigh it. And that was, that was the, me starting the actual recovery process is not weighing spinach. And then I moved to dropping a training day because I was training five days a week with you initially. And I was like, oh, maybe we just drop it back to one more. But I was still lifting pretty heavy, still training pretty hard at four days. Mm -hmm. And I was like, my steps were still up a bit Mm -hmm. then as well. And then I slowly stopped tracking um, certain things. And then I slowly stopped tracking altogether. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was... December, the start of December. Or maybe it was just it was just before Christmas, where I was like, I don't want to track Christmas. I don't want to track anything. I didn't want to track my weight, anything, nothing. And I remember that week between Christmas and New Year's, and I felt incredibly so free. And I messaged Aim and I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. So I just didn't. I didn't stand back on the scale. I didn't reload my fitness pal. We were still doing photos and measurements at that point in time. Mm. Um, but ev- all of the like the big things, I just leaped off the cliff with that, mm. especially with the scale. Like I just leaped off the cliff. Cause I'm like, if I don't just jump and do it without thinking, I'm probably gonna dry this out way longer than I need to be. Mm. And then when we got to the point where I was like, okay, I still think that I'm doing more than I need to be doing was when I was doing, I got a PB for my block pull and I realized that I should I should not be lifting as heavy as I'm lifting because I'm just not going to get to where I need to get to. It was literally, I'd done that block pull, put the barbell down, messaged you and said, I think we need to pull it back. I was still mid-workout when I sent you that text message and then you were like, yeah, let's do it. So we pulled back to three days. We stopped measuring anything. No photos, no um, uh, tape measurements, nothing. Mm. Drop back to three days of movement because I was still sort of lifting. But I, the way that I use a language in my head, it's conditioning. Yeah, I think like the language that I used at that point in time was really big. Because yep. if I was just like, I'm not, I'm just moving that would have been hard for me to swallow as well. Cause I've really struggled dropping that extra day. Yep. And then like the language that I've used around my recovery has really helped in this, like really, I would say the last three months has been a real intensive recovery period for me. Like, I think this is my own. Yeah. Um, I'm still, I'm, I'm moving with intent, We're still going and training for a reason. Yep. I still have goals I think taking away training and performance goals altogether would have been it would have been too much um and it was exactly what I needed to do for like a whole slew of reasons
0: you want to talk about one of the reasons as in the exciting news or not
1: yeah absolutely so (laughs) I would have been I dropped my training back to three days in May and mid-June I got my first cycle back after (laughs) I think it was like four and a half years of um, not having a cycle I got it back and it's crazy it was just that intuitive Mm. knowing that I what I needed to do and I just leapt off the cliff and I'm like let's just do it and then I got my cycle back
0: Mm. For the people listening, there's just two important points I did want to make for our sofs another question. One was Soph is seeing or yeah, is seeing an endocrinologist to help her. And I'm not a recovery specialist. So, um, you know, a lot of the coaching that I've done with Soph is really listening to her and what she needs and what she's telling me she needs. And of course, Soph listening to the endocrinologist um, and what's happening there. So I do just want to make that very clear. This episode of the podcast is very much because I just want Soph's story out there. It's not to be advertising myself as someone who helps with this stuff. Specifically, I really took the lead from Soph with what we were doing um, in terms of her training and all those sorts of things. So, so to bring it back to a question, you said, you know, in December, you sort of made the leap and you and I have joked a lot over the, I was going to say years or it's probably yes. almost years, is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, about you being really, really good. You have like this superpower of jumping off cliffs um, and doing the the really, you know, the scary thing because you know deep down in your soul that it's the right move for you. If, if someone is listening and they're still terrified of making these jumps, pulling their training back, eating enough, stopping tracking their food, stopping jumping on a scale, is there anything that you might say to them?
1: I wish that I'd done the big cliff jump earlier because I could be where I want to be, you know, training-wise and just life-wise, getting my life back and feeling like myself, I could have been here years ago if I had um, just understood back when I had gone and see the G- seen the GP right at the beginning and she told me exactly what I really needed to do. And if I had listened to that, then I would have... I would have gotten to where I want to be quicker. I took the long road and I I sort of regret that. Hmm. Um, there's nothing I can do about it now, but I, when I recognize that if I want to start training the way that I want to start training, if I want to start living the way that I want to start living and if I want to start feeling in myself the way that I think that I should be feeling, um, I need, to, I need to do the hard thing. I need to do the scary thing and I just need to jump. And I did and I jumped and nothing scary happened. The good mm-hmm. things happened. I started feeling like myself again. Um, you know, that big goal of me wanting to get my cycle back, that happened. My training, whoo, just wait till I start lifting again because the tech, the tech gains that I'm making because I can actually just focus on the little tweaky things like where I'm going to be six months from now, I'm so bloody excited, and that's because I just did this scary thing and leaped. Yeah, and you know what? Gaining weight and no one cares. No, literally, you are the only person that cares. No one in the gym is looking at you. If you look at other people in the gym, everyone's just flexing at themselves. <laughs> no one's looking at you. No one. No one's looking at you. Yeah, that's yeah. the one thing that really helped me with that whole gym anxiety and you know, me putting on weight and, you know, all my cellulite coming back and this, that, the other. I just like walk around and own it because I see all the dudes and all the chicks just flexing at themselves. They're too busy worrying about them themselves and their own bodies and their own hang-ups. No one is looking at you. Mm. So just take the leap, just do it.
0: Yeah, it's such an interesting thing too. So if you and I have had this conversation before because um, like- I have, I have cellulite on my back of my legs. I have the back like where my triceps are and I have some on my stomach and people like, I don't know, I feel like Instagram, um, the quality downgrades when you post stories. So you actually can't see it so much. So some people might be watching my stories and being like, no, you don't it's definitely there like it's definitely Mm -hmm. there and Sophie and I've had this conversation before about almost being like a poster child for getting it out there and not caring
1: absolutely I I think it's really great for girls to see other girls just rocking it Mm -hmm. because that normalizes it yep and even on the days where I feel insecure in myself because I'm human and we all do and that's not going to go away no matter how recovered I might be like we're all going to have those days those days are the days that I especially rock around in my shorts and my crop top and whatever because I'm like if there's another girl out there feeling like this if I had seen someone walking past rocking just rocking themselves that would make me feel more inclined to do it as well because it normalizes it and the more that I do it for myself as well normalizes it Mm
0: -hmm. it doesn't
1: make it scary because the more you do a thing Mm -hmm. the more accustomed you are to it
0: yeah I think that's super super powerful um and in just like treating yourself you know the way that you want to be treated and it's like I think often we think, well, I'll get there first and then I'll do this. And it's like we've got to go first with ourselves. Like we've I think
1: this is comes back to just jumping off the cliff and doing it. Because if you think too hard about a thing, if you overanalyze a thing, you're never gonna do it.
0: No. And that that
1: there was a time I was 18 and I was over in New Zealand and we were doing, we were bungee jumping and the People were taking too long to jump off the thing, off the ledge because they were thinking about it too much. And I knew if I thought too hard about the jump, I wasn't going to do it. So I just got strapped on, jumped up to the ledge and just jumped. I didn't think about it because I knew I wouldn't have done it if I thought too much about it. So I just left and did it.
0: Dude, I didn't know you've actually
1: done that. Yeah, matter. I've actually I've done the plunging and the jumping oh, out of planes goodness. and all of that. And I think that's a real like full circle knowing that if you just do it, you'll get the amazing experience. And it was an amazing experience. Both of those were amazing experiences and you know, you get to live and experience and so just clip jumping is a thing. Dude, I can't believe that. I didn't know
0: that. I, yeah. it's, like, it's like the cherry on top of this. It really is. <laughs> it
1: really is.
0: <laughs> that's the best. Um, all right, so thank you so much. Was there anything else that you want to say or wanted to say or wanted to share or um, with this?
1: Just to the, to the girls out there that are listening that are still in the process of getting their cycles back, because I remember listening to all these different podcasts and reading all of these different books and trying to find the right supplement that was going to bring my cycle back or the right you know magic pill there isn't a magic pill the the thing you got to do is bring it all back strip it all back right down to the ground and then build yourself up again and there's there's no shame and there's no guilt in having to start all over again there's actually a real beauty in rebuilding yourself and i'm doing that at the moment Aim and I are calling this my Phoenix phase. I'm rising up from the ashes and I'm turning into the person that I actually like and actually want to be. So mm-hmm. um, find find your own footing in, in this crazy little recovery journey and um, you'll get there. Because I thought I was going to be one of those girls that was never going to get her cycle back and I did. Mm-hmm. So you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it.
0: Thank you so much, So if, if someone maybe wanted to slide into your DMs, what's your Instagram profile?
1: Hell yeah. Um, it's at, like the little at symbol, it's Soph M. Awesome. Um, so always hit me up if you need someone to talk to about it because I, I, I wish that I had more people that I could have spoken to about mm-hmm. it. It would have helped the anxiety around the whole process a mm-hmm. lot more. I think so absolutely talk to me about it. I cheer your off about it. I love talking about it now. Like I'm not, I'm not scared to talk about it. I think verbalizing all of this stuff and getting out there and normalizing it makes it easier. makes the whole process easier. And I wish it was more, more normal to talk about periods and stuff like that back when I lost it. Cause I think it would have changed the way that I saw the recovery process.
0: For sure. So, and you know, that's definitely why I wanted to get you on because I know that there's women out there who this podcast is going to reach. And even if it's only one, like
1: mm-hmm. have
0: yeah. impact and being able to share, you know, your story, your experience, and for them to maybe go, Hey, this is my jumping off a cliff moment.
1: <laughs> if you want to talk to me about cliff jumping as well, <laughs> even if it's not period stuff, even if, if there's something you're scared about doing and you just need that little nudge, like come and talk to me. I'll help you jump off the cliff. I love it.
0: Thank you so much. So if you guys have resonated, please tag Soph, please tag myself, share us on your Instagram stories or Facebook and I will speak to you guys next time.